1: Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything.
2: At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary. At Bet365, 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. This is the best
4: of the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio.
2: Boom, what up,
5: America? Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio, coming to you live and direct from the City of Angels. We got an outstanding show for you. We got picks, more picks, lots of picks, getting you ready for a football weekend, which uh, we got Big Ten games tonight. We got Pac-12 games tonight. We got games tomorrow. Not a great slate of games. We have uh, an NFL weekend, which got underway last night. Um, And I'm not sure which was worse. The buildup of the, this is a great rivalry, oldest rivalry in the NFL to the, oh yeah, the Packers are much better than the Bears. Or the uh, massive swing and miss by players throughout the league, even the great Aaron Rodgers, in terms of understanding that other people see the world differently than you do. Right? Understanding other people, because that's what happened last night. Now, now there's, there's two different sides to it. The first part to it is this. You, you got to understand your, your fan base now. Right? You got to understand who are you playing for, who pays the bills for you to work on a, on a daily basis. The second thing is, and maybe this is a deeper question, is can you disagree with somebody politically and still support them professionally? Uh, that is TBD. That is to be determined. Here's what happened. Aaron Rodgers told everybody who was listening in Green Bay, hey, let's lock arms tomorrow. We're going to lock arms with the Chicago Bears show of unity. We're all in this together during the playing of the national anthem. Ask the fans to do so. And one would think if the quarterback of the Green Bay Packers, if a league MVP, a Super Bowl champion, a guy who uh, really is most responsible for the success of the team, on a yearly basis, says, hey, could you do me a solid, show some support for something that, just a sign of unity? Everybody do it, right? It's not what happened. Instead, there were signs saying that we stand, there there weren't many people locking arms, and there was a vociferous cheer of USA, which, okay. Now, look, it doesn't even matter... It does get to the point where it actually doesn't matter what I think. But you cannot be so obtuse to the idea that people think the opposite. Right. And I found this to be fascinating. Fascinating. It's what we talked about yesterday, which is, hey, you get caught up in the rhetoric. You get caught up in the semantics. You get caught up in the grammar uh, or lack thereof that is used by the president, and you miss the message. This is from a, a global strategy group conducted a survey of 1,055 adults 18 years or older. The margin for error is 3%. They have a view of the NFL players' protests, right? Uh, strongly approve 24%. Somewhat approve, 15%. Somewhat disapprove, 13%. Strongly disapprove, 38%. Now, the percentage of people who strongly disapprove, the greatest percentage is white, are white people, whereas African Americans strongly approve or somewhat approve to the 54% and 18%. You're looking at 72% of black people. So some of this is a a racial divide, or a good portion of it is a racial divide. Interest in watching the NFL after protest. More interested. Avid NFL fans, nineteen percent, non mainstream fans, fourteen percent. Less interested, forty percent. Less interested, thirty-one percent for avid NFL fans. No impact, about fifty percent of both sides. In other words. More people are less apt to watch NFL games because of it. More people disapprove than approve the protests. And the, the look, I've never been so uh, in tune with this as the various lives that I've lived. Right? I grew up in Southern California. Now, truth be told, I grew up in an area called Orange County. It's known as the Orange Curtain. The Orange Curtain is the Republican bastion for California. California is mostly a blue state. One big exception is Orange County. Now some of that is changing, some of that is evolving. It's becoming a little bit more diverse. Uh but I did grow up in what you would be would consider a liberal area. Both of my parents in terms of demographics fit the demo of uh of people who would be considered Democrats or liberal even though my dad voted independent, my mom, I actually my dad became like a Republican at the end. My mom is is like an independent. They're GDIs, as they call them, right? But they're both from the Northeast. They're both college-educated, both Jewish. And the thought would be, well, they would be liberal left-leaning Democrats. And what's amazing is how we view things based upon where we live, where we get in our information, who we hang around. I, I tell you, I live several different lives, from living on the East Coast uh, what is it now? What will we determine? I think it was twelve of the last fourteen years I lived on the East Coast in the state of Connecticut, very blue state. But the place that I go most in terms of vacation was always Oklahoma, which percentage wise is the reddest state in the Union. And the one thing I've come to learn is people see things very, very differently based upon where they live. Very differently. And I feel like the NFL players are, they live in their bubble. Lots of people in nice areas talk about their bubble. Well, you know, you get out of the bubble. And NFL players are in a bubble. If they think this is good for business, all you have to do is look at the numbers. Not just in terms of this poll. It doesn't actually matter if it makes sense. Right? Right? Like you can sit down there and go, oh, hold on now, like our constant, like our, our Bill of Rights, our Constitution is set up so that we have the freedom to protest peacefully. Like that all makes sense. That all sounds great. But but that doesn't mean somebody has to make sense in their counter argument. It just doesn't. It it just doesn't. It's... You can, I can give you all the stats in the world to support stricter gun controls. I I can point out just how many more gun crimes we have, gun accidents we have in this country in comparison to any other first world country I compare it to. Doesn't matter what the, like that's, it's not necessarily just what I believe. It's what I can prove. It's not going to change people's thoughts and feelings and how they view, how they perceive the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, right? Like, it's all about perception. So, um, how you see something, how somebody else sees something, based upon who surrounds them, where they get their messaging, where they get their news, who their parents are, how educated they are, what religion they are, like, all these things. I thought last night was, if that wasn't a wake-up call to players in the NFL, again i I I think it's it's pure evil I, thought, I heard Delaney Walker got death threats uh, I've had Delaney Walker on a bunch i not like remember his his uh wasn't his parents his uncle Ann died uh when he was playing in the Super Bowl on the way to the Super Bowl like I think Delaney is a hell of a guy and I think a lot of these a lot of these people who only want what's good for society only want to have a reasonable conversation. The problem is that if you consider the side that wants a reason, the same people, they're saying, hey, look, you're not paying attention to the actual message of this protest, right? Isn't that what we've heard now? People have stopped, which is accurate, because it stopped being about equal rights for all, police brutality. It's become about whether or not it's, It's totally disrespectful. You have the right to kneel before the flag when you play for an organization, when you represent a city, you play for a league, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That's what's become about. But those same people get hung up on the rhetoric coming from the president instead of the message, which is, hey, there's a lot of people who disagree with this protest, this form of protest. So, I thought last night. Man, look, I knew the Packers were better than than the than the Bears. I, everyone knows Mike Glennon's dead man walking as quarterback. It didn't help that there was a healthy rain delay. Right, there's some irony to that. A place that has given us the ice bowl, the frozen tundra, a thunderstorm ends up delaying the game. Like that, that is the ultimate irony for Lambeau Field, where they play through essentially everything. But what what ends up what ends up happening is, I think it's a big swing and miss from the players. In an effort to unite people, you actually divided them. In an effort to point out just how much the uh, the fan base is behind Aaron Rodgers, the fan base is very splintered. And if the NFL players think, "Hey, this is good for business," you, you can't argue with, can't argue with data. And the data is telling you there's a substantial group of fans who are like, you know, I like the NFL, but it wouldn't, if you know, if I don't watch it because of this, would now look. I am not of that thinking. I can't. I don't understand that thinking. I don't. I have no idea. Even if you protest, like. I didn't like Colin Kaepernick's anything he said following his protest originally. I just didn't. I had nothing to do with why I wouldn't watch San Francisco 49ers. They stunk last year. That's why I wouldn't watch it. I don't care. But there are enough people that do care. And if you continue to be tone deaf to the people who pay hundreds of dollars to go to your games, hundreds of dollars to park at your games, hell, hundreds of dollars to drink a couple beers at your games, at some point, the president will be right. I don't know. I'm not go to going to hell. It's just bad for business. It's bad for business. The NFL is not airline travel, right? It's like oh, remember when United Airlines they took that guy off the plane? Like, I'm never flying United Airlines ever again. Like you know, at some point, you have to book a flight, and you're still going to book a flight for the most part. Um based upon quickest, you know, shortest duration and the least expensive. you got to fly somewhere. You may avoid one airline. This idea that the NFL is too big to fail. Okay.
4: Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app.
5: My guess would be that Westbrook not only is backing up his loyalty thing, it's just the idea of the Thunder saying, look, I don't know if we'll ever get you there. Can't promise you we'll ever get you there. But look at what, what we've done. We've moved to build the team around you. You know, last year this time, we thought, or last year at the end of the season, we thought we were really close. And then KD left and we kind of just cobbled things together. Now we've had an entire season and an off season." We got you Paul George for a year. We got you Carmelo for two. And if they don't pan out, we'll always we'll always keep working to get you guys. And I think that's a pretty solid argument. It really is. Uh, the other thing that helps him is, as much as he is better and different than Lonzo Ball, the truth is that the Lakers would have to part ways with Lonzo Ball, most likely, in order to get Russell Westbrook. So Westbrook staying doesn't really kill the Lakers' plan A. It might have been their plan B. Their plan A is still get LeBron James and then get one other young star around to go around him, along with Lonzo Ball, along with Brandon Ingram, or maybe make a trade for Clay Thompson, whose dad worked for over 15 years for the Lakers, he used to play for the Lakers. So it doesn't change the Lakers' plans all that much or their plan A. Their plan B would have been like, yeah, we'd take Russell Westbrook. He likes LA. He's awesome. The question, the big question now is does it change Paul George's plans? And if you're Paul George, you just play, it'll work out, right? Got a great opportunity this year. Steven Adams inside to protect the rim and play inside and be a tough guy. Got plenty of big guys inside. And uh, my question becomes, do they have enough perimeter shooting, perimeter ball handling and scoring? Do they have a good enough bench? Because remember, Mello has not played a full season the last three seasons body has broken down.
4: Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com and within the iHeartRadio app.
5: Jason Lockham Four is our guest. How long do the Bears? How long do the Bears make Mitch Trubisky the quarterback?
3: How long until they do? Yeah. Uh, I don't know, a couple of days, I don't know, decompress for a long weekend, and then they'll go back to practice Monday or Tuesday, and I suspect by then um, the the rookie is getting the bulk of the snaps, if not all of them. I mean, week five, you could kind of just size up the schedule and look how they were playing, and, and I've had it circled for several weeks now that if things didn't improve markedly, then you were going to have a 10-, 11-day window to get the kid ready to play on a whole Monday night football game where you know the whole city is going to be clamoring for him by then, and and with the four turnovers yesterday and how just football follies-esque some of them were, um, I've heard that ownership has been sort of uh, holding back the reins there a little bit, and they spent their $19 million on Glennon, and they wanted to get some return on their investment, and you want to be super sure the kid's ready before you put them in, but yeah, there's probably nowhere to go but up now, and I'd be very surprised if they don't make that change. And we don't see Trubisky in prime time instead of Glennon in ten days from now.
5: Yeah, I like, I watched the Packers last night and I couldn't help but think, boy, Aaron Rodgers is terrific. But uh, again, they're already kind of limping out of the gate. We're at the quarter pole, and you're down two tackles. You lose a running back last night. Ty, Ty Montgomery's hurt last night. Like, almost feels like you no. Know, even with his greatness, they just not, they're not going to have the bodies at the end of the season. Am I, am I canceling their Super Bowl hopes too early?
3: Um well I I look I didn't I don't know that they were built for the Super Bowl this year but when you have you know the single greatest difference maker you know arguably in professional sports I mean for what for what Aaron Rodgers is I wouldn't discount their chances either you know none of these injuries as of now look catastrophic I mean Nick Perry came back faster a week faster than they thought he would um, and he's not going to have to play on that with that club on his hand forever. It's more a precaution now because they're worried about infection setting in where he had uh, that pin inserted in his hand. But, you know, they're getting, uh, you know, Mike Daniels back. They got Randall Cobb back. The tackle situation isn't ideal now. But, but, you know, look, they won back-to-back games in twice in five days despite that, and now they get some time off as well. So, you know, can they afford much more of this? Probably not, But but – I don't know that they've lost anybody, you know, for the season that is utterly irreplaceable. That's just going to be an interesting division. I mean, there's there's three teams in that division who all look fairly intent on playing some postseason football this year, and, and maybe all three will.
5: Okay, so the the other team, the other two teams match up in Minnesota. Uh, let's start with the Vikings. Uh, the Bradford thing. When I hear he, he's fine, fine, like we're both married, Jason. Your wife says fine. And though it should be a neutral word, it's really not. He's not going to play Negative for the right. Yeah. It, he's not going to play for the third straight week. He said it's something he hasn't dealt with before. They haven't operated on it, so it's not like they're going to cancel right. the season. What is it, and how bad is it?
3: It's a significant bone bruise. It's, there's a lot of discomfort there, and it's something that he's gradually sort of working through. And in the meantime, they have a, a, a highly functioning offense without him. And, you know, Case Keenum is an ideal guy for this kind of window, three to six weeks. I mean, <clears throat> excuse me, he, he, can, he can help you. Now you have to play him 17 weeks. He gets exposed. He's not a huge strapping dude. He's a little bit prone to injury himself. Um, you know, he can wear down. But they're, they're in an okay spot right now. So they're not going to play Sam Bradford until they know that Sam Bradford could get through an entire week without a bunch of Alchies and limping and whatever, but to where he can take a team through a full slate of practice on Monday, I'm sorry, on Wednesday and Thursday, because that's really the big work days in the NFL. And when he can do that and he can handle all the reps without them worrying about aggravating the injury or him just not physically feeling good enough to do it, you know, that that will turn it over to him. And, and until then, whether that's a week from now or two weeks from now, um, then it will be Chase Keenum. And just keep your eye on Teddy Bridgewater as well because – I really do believe after week six, he'll be practicing. And now, how long do they wait before they activate him off the pup list and, and make him a backup, or, or you know maybe eventually the starter? And that depends on how he looks. But I do expect him to be out there and you know for practice following week six.
5: Um, what have you heard in regards to Cam Newton? Uh, he he hasn't been great. There are some that think he's not healthy. Some of it obviously has to do with his supporting cast. Some of it has to do with the fact he didn't have reps in practice. What are they saying in Carolina as they get ready to take on the Patriots?
3: I think it's a combination of of all of that. Um, It's the accumulation of hits over the years. It's It's a specific surgery that affects your throwing motion. It's when it occurred and how much time he missed. And then you couple that with an offensive line that still doesn't inspire much confidence in me and you take away the security blanket in the tight end, you know, who's out long-term, and then Benjamin's been in and out of some of these games, and I I believe he'll start this week. But, you know, he was out for a while yesterday, and they weren't overloaded with weapons to begin with, and it becomes, um, you know, your offense kind of starts to suffocate by the week. Um, And what they're best at, multiplicity in the run game, involves Cam out in space, which they really tried to get away with because I'm trying to get away from Because of all those hits I was talking about, a lot of which happen outside the pocket, when he is involved in, in, you know, read option type looks. So uh, I think they just kind of have to play rugby a little bit now. I mean, they are who they are. I know he's won MVPs, and he may win MVPs again, but he's not in MVP form right now. They still have the makings of a very good defense, and they're going to have to run the ball between the tackles and the gadget play, the McCaffrey here or there, jet sweeps, screens. Um, but, but this is really who they have to be. They've got to out-ugly the other team most weeks, win the turnover battle, and rely on the defense.
5: Okay, they, um, they take on the Patriots, who just the defensive numbers are awful. And I know that we all, like we all inherently, we have to trust Belichick. He'll find a way. But at some point, it's not about scheme. It's about, you know, it's not X's and O's. It's Jimmy's and Joe's. What, what can they do? How can they fix this atrocious defense?
3: The front seven is not good, and I don't – I mean, look, they will develop a guy or two along the way because he's not just coaching X's and O's, he is coaching up Jimmy Jo's. He's He's literally developing talent on the fly. He always has. So there's some hope from within, but I wouldn't rule out a trade. I mean, they're an aggressive team, and we've seen them do things that have shocked us before, and we've seen them trade away a lot of defensive talent in recent years, right? I mean, you, you go back to Chandler Jones, you look at Jamie Collins. I mean, they still have Butler out there who's a trade chip. <laughs> Excuse me, not that they necessarily want to be, you know, giving guys away, but if they're not going to pay him long-term and, and they can get some sort of asset in their front seven for him, um, do they come back two weeks from now and actually look like they have more receivers than they need? I don't rule them out being proactive and trying to find a few more bodies, Um you know the linebackers are not good. I mean, you talk to evaluators, and it's it's scary. Now, you know the all the other thing they have is Tom Brady, who will cover up a ton of warts, and you know, good luck stopping them. And they're perfectly fine winning forty to thirty eight all you know every week if they have to. But that's a very difficult equation to duplicate when you get to the postseason.
5: No question about it. Jason Lockham for joining us on the Doug Gottlieb Show. Uh, New York Giants got some issues. Some with their offensive line. Their offense really uh, until the fourth quarter couldn't couldn't get it going. They did get it going, and now um, Odell Beckham Jr. had two touchdown catches one in which he pees on a football and or pretends to pee on a football, yeah. does the dog thing, gets uh, fined. <laughs> if like he
3: peed on the football, it would be more than a $12,000 yeah, uh, okay, fine. So I he gets fined $12,000.
5: Yeah. Uh, what's the real reaction to Odell Beckham Jr. from, you know, like, look, you've been doing this a long time. What do they really think about him?
3: They being his teammates?
5: They being ownership, management, people that matter.
3: I mean, look, as long as he's doing what he's done, which is statistically... He's the greatest receiver in NFL history through this period of games. I mean, you stack up his first, you know, three years with Jerry Rice, whoever you want to stack it up with, he's right there. So when he's delivering, which he has to this point in his career, then you're, you put up with a lot of the baloney and, and the BS. And, and I would still contend that his is far less significant. You know, when you've got domestic violence, I mean, there, there, there's a scale of this to me. And what sure. he does borders on um, immature and selfish and goofy, but not violent and not, not criminal. You're uh, not doing things that put the whole locker room at jeopardy. Um, but he certainly has to grow up. He's a polarizing figure. There's no doubt about it, even within that locker room. But the fact that he is who he is on Sunday... I mean, that's difficult to overlook. And they get blown out of the gym again last week without him. And, you know, what does it mean long-term? Do they make him play out as 5th year option before they pay him because of some of the off-field stuff? I guess, but I can tell you that. If he's on the open market, people are coming after Odell Beckham. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm sorry. Talent trumps all in this league. And when you're viewed as a guy who could be a difference maker every single Sunday – and he has been more or less through his career. There's always a market for that.
5: Um, where is there more concern over the age of their quarterback? Pittsburgh with Ben Roethlisberger or San Diego? Or sorry, sorry, San Diego. Los Angeles with yeah. Philip Rivers?
3: Um, I would say the Chargers. Uh, the, 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 the Chargers, I don't know how much they want to admit it, how ready they are to admit it yet but where they are internally on that calculus, and there's still a lot of football to go. But other, other general managers, other evaluators, other teams who've played them already or who are about to play them and have scouted them closely, advanced them on film, they, they see a declining asset there. They see a quarterback um, who is limited as to what he was and who tries to compensate uh, by swinging it around a little more than he should, and then things just tend to snowball. And he's done 21 picks in his last 12 games. Six of his last 12 games, he's thrown two interceptions or more in that game. Um, Since the start of last season, he has 38 interceptions, which is two more than even Blake Bortles. They're not equipped to overcome that. And he doesn't seem like he's going to stop doing it just because things he used to be able to get away with, he, he, he can't now. And there really isn't a talent excuse because they have talent on that team. I mean, could the offensive line be a little better? I guess, but so could everybody. But, but so, excuse me, Gordon's a player. Keenan Allen's a player. They're not getting the ball to the tight end at all, but he had a hell of a year last year. So there's not a whole lot of excuses to be had. Um, they, you know, they're, they may be a year too late going into the quarterback market in terms of, you know, the draft and, and the, the high, high reaches of the draft. But, but that's probably where they're going to have to be. Ben? you know i don't think that the steelers think bens retiring i don't think that 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 you know they're too worried about that and and they they look if he plays out his contract they'll be perfectly happy with that that's what they want at this point
5: great stuff jason lockham forge check him out on uh, sunday morning on uh, on cbs of course you can follow him on twitter at jason lockham forge jlc thanks so much my man
4: No
3: worries, Doug. My pleasure, man. Have a good
4: weekend. Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. And now...
1: (laughs) We've got great shows
5: on Fox Sports Radio. Let's get to a couple of them. Dan Patrick had on the great Bob Costas. Costas had this to say about the rightful home run king.
4: Statistically, there's no question that Barry Bonds holds that record. But the most authentic one belongs to... Roger Maris. Roger Maris has the authentic single-season record, and Hank Aaron has the authentic career record.
5: Well, he's saying is Barry Bonds was using steroids. All those guys were using steroids, right? Ben Johnson set the world record for a hundred-meter dash. Didn't he at the at, at the Olympics? They stripped him of his gold and they took down the record when they found out he was using steroids. Why haven't we done that in Major League Baseball? Like, well. Barry Bonds wasn't knowingly using steroids. Okay, whether he was knowingly or unknowingly doesn't really matter. They were, in fact, in his system. He hasn't denied the fact that they were in his system when he, he, when he tested when he testified before a grand jury. He only didn't. He said he didn't know that he didn't know. He slipped and fell on a needle at Balco, right? That's that's what happened. I was taking, I thought I was taking vitamins, Your Honor. I mean, it's silly, and this is. I've heard from fans like this is what we do This is what we do with poor behavior with guys who break rules. We did it earlier this week with uh, with you with Louisville paying for a player with all these with this with the FBI arresting 10 people like oh people use that to go well you should pay basketball players look there's a rule there's rules in place you violate those rules generally the nca gets you and in this case if you violate state and federal laws apparently the fbi can in fact get you so you know when people break rules there should be ramifications for the for for those for that rule breaking the same goes with steroids in baseball well they didn't test for them first of all it is accurate that until the steroid testing policy was agreed upon. They did not test for them. They were still actually illegal. I, I know they're like, well, what's that have? It's it's kind of like in golf how you police yourself. If it was okay, all of the Barry Bonds wouldn't have come out and said, "I didn't knowingly use steroids." Right? If it was okay, all of them would admit to it. They haven't because they know it was cheating and it was wrong. But this is what if anybody wants to argue. What did it really do? Baseball was more entertaining. It robbed guys like John Carlos Stanton. It robbed plenty of guys who have had outstanding careers, but their statistics pale in comparison to the juice-up statistics. Stanton hit two home runs. He's creeping closer and closer in the in the final weekend to passing Roger Maris' mark of sixty-one home runs, which has not been passed by anybody who's ever been clean. And yet it won't get the fanfare it rightfully deserves because of those steroid guys.
4: Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at FoxsportsRadio.com and within the iHeartRadio app.
5: I think there's a lot of people who are they're still bothered by the election. Like, I get it. You didn't like the fact that people voted for Donald Trump. Like, I got it. I didn't vote for Donald Trump. But it is It is really time to move on from the topic of what happened with the election. I can't believe this happened. She didn't go to Wisconsin like, I've had enough! No more! It is over. And I'm telling you the protesting. It's over, Johnny. That just, the more you talk about it, the more people are like, dude, we just got to move on. We just got to. We just, got, we just have to Move the conversation forward. No, Aaron Rodgers like, no, oh, we got to redirect this thing. Don't redirect it. Just go. Hey, we said what we want to say we're really mad about what he said. We're really united. Black teammates, white teammates, Mexican teammates. If we had Asian teammates, they would be involved too. Okay, there's that kicker for the for the L.A. Chargers. He appears to be of a you know he is of Korean descent. He's in this too. We're united with him. You voted for him. You didn't vote for him. You voted for her. You didn't vote for her. You you did one of those stupid. I uh, voted for a third party candidate. Like as a like that's really dumb. It's a waste of a vote. Oh, the protest vote? No, it's not. It's voting for somebody who had no chance of winning. Thank you. Anyway, I've had enough. I'm done. I can't possibly talk about Colin Kaepernick, who's not in the league anymore. I can't possibly talk about guys. Standing, not standing for the National Anthem anymore. I don't need arms locked in unity. I don't need to know if the fans care or don't care. I just don't. I have, maybe I'm get off my lawn guy. Maybe I am. Or maybe I'm just reasonable to sit here and go like, I turn on TV and this is all anybody keeps talking about. And I start to feel like the average fan. be Like, yo, man, I just need a pick on a game tonight. Right. Wazoo's playing USC. Can USC go into the Palouse and get a win? Somebody give me a winner. The Ravens and the Steelers, they both sucked last week. Ben Roethlisberger done? Is Philip Rivers done? Why can't Cam Newton be more accurate than he is? Why won't the Bears play Mitch Trubisky when it's kind of obvious that Mike Glennon sucks? Like these things, I'd like to talk about. Major League Baseball's playoffs start next week. Cubs are back in it. Yankees are in it. Red Sox are in it. Dodgers were the best team on earth for like four months. Then they were the worst team in the solar system for like a month. What of the, what of the Dodgers? These things are interesting. You know, it's not interesting. The guy wants to sit, guy wants to stand, guy wants to lock arms in his in protest or whatever uh, because of, uh, and, and do I have to go to each guy and go like, um, Mr. Football player? Why are you protesting? Are you protesting the protest? Are you protesting the president? Are you protesting police brutality? Are you taking a hunger hunger strike? Why won't anybody protest for poor Puerto Rico that can't seem to get these supplies? I don't even know. Is Houston okay now? Are they messed up now? Nobody cares anymore. It's too much look, I work, I'm, I'm a member of the media. I'm calling out my fellow brethren and we were all trained on play the hits, but somehow this became a hit. This is like when everybody talked about Tim Tebow, enough. I have had enough. And I kind of think you have too. I kind of think that's why this poll came out that says people strongly approve I don't know if you strongly disapprove of them kneeling or, or protesting for the national. I just think you're just done with the whole thing. Like, like, look, I, I don't want cops beating up or shooting people that don't deserve it, but I do want them to keep me safe. Right? That's where I'm like this crazy radical centrist. Right? Like, I don't want cops shooting people that unarmed children. That are running away, that don't, that don't, that didn't do anything wrong, that don't pose a threat to anybody. On the other hand, there are some people who have it coming to them. And to those people, I hope the police do their job and keep us safe. But more than anything, I look at these stats and say people disapprove strongly, somewhat disapprove. I'm not even sure they necessarily disapprove of the protests as much as they're just like too much. Every team has, it's a lot like, you know what it's like? It's like celebrations in the end zone. When everybody does them and everyone is over the top, it's like, eh, just give them the ball back. Let's go to the next play.
4: Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app.
5: Joel Klatt joins us. He'll be on the call of Oklahoma State coming out their first loss of the season, going against Texas Tech. That'll be at least a four-hour, maybe four-and-a-half-hour game in Lubbock. There'll be some points scored there. Have you called a game in the Palouse?
0: Yes, I've called a few. In fact, I've done two different Apple Cups. I've done a Colorado game at uh, Washington State, so I've been up there. It's not my favorite trip of all time. <laughs> it's, it's, Better time to go there uh, now, it's though. It's be- to it, play though. It's probably it's
5: probably beautiful pl- time to play there now, right? Like fall yeah, full swing. Yeah, I would much
0: rather go to the Palouse now than in in November. I've been there, like I said, for two different Apple Cups. So I've spent two Thanksgivings of my life in in uh, Pullman, and um, yeah, I'd like to avoid that. Okay, moving
5: forward. Fair, fair enough. Uh, <laughs> our boss our bosses listen, and I'm sure they're sitting there Take going. A note. I'm uh, sitting there going, got it, we got it, got it, Klatt, understood. He's <laughs> You're doing Lubbock this week, so yes. uh, that's your, your – although Lubbock, you know, there's some cool place to eat there. It's a good little town. Okay, so um, let's start with tonight's game. Uh, look, every, everyone in the world has been circling this game as, hey, there's a game that could, you could get SC, and there are times in which Sam Donald's turned the ball over too much, seven interceptions so far this year. How legitimate are Washington State's chances at home tonight? Well, I think from, from
0: if you're trying to make the case for Washington State, I think you start with the fact that their strength is an area where USC has not been strong. And, and those matchups you know, are where you're going to try to exploit what I feel like is a more talented Trojan team. So from that perspective, when you can throw the ball like Washington State can, and, and we've seen USC be susceptible against the pass, that's obviously a huge plus, a huge plus. I think that that defense for Washington State is not Stanford. They're not Texas. I think Texas's defense is a lot better than people think they are. No question. And, and so from that standpoint, you can just assume, like, well, Darnold's struggling. Well, he's faced a couple of really good defenses. And, oh, by the way, he put the team on his back in a couple of those instances and won those games. Think about what he did against Texas in the last six seconds against, uh, of the first half or in the last 40 seconds with no timeouts having to go the length of the field in order to get a game-tying field goal. This guy is a brilliant player. And so while there's a lot of hype about this, I almost feel like there's too much hype towards Washington State. That's why I'm going to take USC as the more talented team with the most superior player that will be on the field in Sam Darnold.
5: Okay, um, what about Donald in comparison to, uh, uh, in, in thoughts of the NFL? Like, how yeah. how problematic are the interceptions in trying to see if his game will translate immediately to the next level?
0: Yeah, you know, I, I don't think that they're as problematic as, as one would assume. Because, rest assured, like, these evaluators don't just look at stat sheets. Okay, so Doug, we see seven right? That's what we see in his numbers, seven interceptions. But if you go and actually watch him and individually break them out, three of them have been his fault. Okay. And and they're born out of the fact that he's having to force the issue a little bit. Okay. They've had some injuries out there. His wide receivers are not great this year, like they were a year ago. And this is a guy that's had to make some plays in particular in that Texas game. He was having to force the issue. So if you say, okay, three of those are his fault, maybe having to force the issue a little bit, and then he's had a tip pass here or there, he's had some players you know, run a wrong route on, on one of them, I don't think that the NFL evaluators are going to go crazy. Now, if this becomes more of a trend towards the entirety of the season, he throws 20 interceptions, that's going to affect him, obviously, because they just can't talk your way out of that. But I think he's going to start cleaning this up. And part of this is getting the timing, getting the relationship, getting the chemistry with some of these new wide receivers that he didn't have a year ago. And and once that comes, you know, I think Sam will be just fine. I'm a big believer in his. I still think he's the top prospect in the draft. And, and those interceptions have not pulled me off of that stance whatsoever.
5: Oklahoma State, you got to the call of them against Texas Tech tomorrow night on uh, on Fox at uh, 8 o'clock Eastern time, the ranked number 15 in the country. Uh, a disappointing showing against against TCU but they were just look it was ball you know ball control TCU you know kept the offense off the field kind of frustrated them um and I thought a magnificent game plan by Gary Patterson to go in there and get a win e- even with that said Oklahoma State still had a chance try to run a trick play a, a wide receiver pass late in the game which uh w- which I thought they they didn't need got a little bit too cute uh, give me. Doug, th-
0: it was crazy.
5: I mean, it was the, I mean, it it was was the dumbest crazy. play call I've seen. I'm I'm trying to be nice here. It was an incredibly stupid play call.
0: I mean, the only person that's done something that's been more egregious has been Butch Jones.
5: When not get not getting his safeties all the way back.
0: Yeah, uh, last play of the game. That that was a and and listen, Coach who who's the offensive coordinator, he knows it. Mike Gundy knows it. That's why Mike Gundy said after the game we got out coached. And they did. They did get out, Coach, because they panicked a little bit. And that's the one thing I thought that they didn't need to do. They are so potent offensively, Doug, and you know this. With that quarterback, Mason Rudolph, and that stable of wide receivers led by James Washington, they don't need to panic. They were going down. Here's the situation. They're going down to score their best offensive series, and they're going to cut the the game to a six-point game with about six minutes left to go in the game. I sure like their chances at home with the momentum, with the crowd there. And going in at about the 25-yard line, they throw a double pass, and a wide receiver just kind of throws up a prayer. It gets picked off, and they could never recover from that. If they score there, I think Oklahoma State actually wins the game. No question. Not, not just that, but, egregious, but again, egregious you, call.
5: You, you go back, and it's not like the best thing you have is you have a an, an NFL-caliber four year player at quarterback why would you have a wide receiver throw the football you and you weren't having trouble moving the football it just and it's not a 10-9 game
0: you know what i mean where you just like like texas usc texas was going to put out pull out all the stops cuz they couldn't score they needed right, something right, right. they were desperate for offense oklahoma state was throwing it at will on that series at will Rudolph was in the best rhythm he had been in all day long. Yeah. There was no need for it. You didn't need to trick him. They outsmarted themselves. And in coaching ranks, I'm sure they say this in basketball as well. You got the sense that they were chasing ghosts there. You know, a little bit chasing something that just wasn't quite there.
5: Yeah, too cute would be would be the other way I'd say. Okay, so uh, with, with that said, obviously Texas Tech completely different style. And this is a, a rivalry that Oklahoma State has dominated. But uh, like, look. Texas Tech can put up some points. Your thoughts on, on this game in Lubbock. Well,
3: uh,
0: Texas Tech is considerably better than they were a year ago, even without Patrick Mahomes. That seemed, that, that's they, a,
5: that's, that's, ama- that's an amazing statement to make, considering how talented he is.
0: And, and he is that talented. He was their entire team last year, Doug, their entire team. It's, it's unheard of when you think of the way that they rebuilt their roster in one year. You know, they've got 44 players on their roster that were not here in January. Wow. That's crazy. I mean, they have 10 transfers on the defensive too deep. They've got 10 transfers on the offensive of too deep. So they've completely remade themselves. And they can still play offense at a very potent level with a fifth-year um, senior starting quarterback and Nick Shimanek, who's – A really good player and has a lot of talent. Now, he's not Patrick Mahomes, but the defense is considerably better. They beat Houston 27-24 a week ago and snapped Houston's 16-game home winning streak. And Houston was beating people at home like Louisville when they were ranked with the Heisman Trophy winner. So it's not like Houston was doing anything – uh, over the little sisters of the poor. They, they certainly were playing good football. Texas Tech went in there and beat them. They beat ASU earlier in the year. So this is a much better team. And just some history, uh, Oklahoma State has dominated. They've won eight in a row in this series. However, last year in Stillwater, Doug, this game came down to the, to the point where with a minute, under two minutes left, with about a minute 40 left, Texas Tech scored in what would have been, you would think, a game-tying score and they missed the PAT yep. and lost by one. So this is a game that has history of also being very close. I expect it to be that come tomorrow night, and what I certainly expect will be a shootout.
5: Uh, Clemson, Virginia Tech, this one being played uh, at Virginia Tech, uh, the likelihood Clemson goes down is a, a road favorite.
0: You know, That's a tough place to play. I think Virginia Tech is very good. I expect this to be a low-scoring game, kind of a defensive battle between Bud Foster's Virginia Tech Hokie defense and what I think is the best defense in the country in Clemson. I'm a little bit worried about Virginia Tech's offense because their offensive numbers and the quality of offensive numbers have been put up against some of the worst defenses in the entire country. In fact, I read a stat where there are three or four opponents they don't rank in the top 90 when it comes to total defense at this point. So they're going to see a defense that's not even in the same hemisphere as what they've seen thus far in the season. They've got a freshman quarterback, Josh Jackson, who's been very good to date, but he has not seen Clemson, and he has not seen that pass rush that has generated 17 sacks, good for second in the country. I think Clemson's going to win this ballgame, but it wouldn't shock me at all if it was a really close game, even something very low-scoring like 13-10.
5: All right, uh, Joel. Look forward to uh, hearing the call, and then uh, make sure you get a safe flight back to Newport Beach, and we'll uh, we'll talk to you
2: real soon. All right. You got it, brother. Have a good one. Okay. All right. That's Joel Clad.